forget that in Jesus' name. Praise God. But you know, God operates as a sovereign God. What that means is he doesn't counsel with you and I. He doesn't have a committee up there. He doesn't have to get reelected next year. You see, the bottom line is he's God. And I'm not trying to make a you know, big thing out of that, but we have to constantly remember that. Amen. That God, you are the one, praise God. We can ask you anything because he does. He says, ask and you shall receive. That doesn't mean you're going to get what you ask for. It just means you're going to receive something in Jesus' name. So always remember that and don't be afraid. The Bible says once we are born again, we actually have a boldness that we can come to the throne of grace. That's not arrogance. That is with confidence. That really actually means confidence. We can come to his, his throne with confidence that, man, we, we, you need a hearing with God. You need to have a little time with him. You have access. And so these are things that we must remember in Jesus' name. Somebody say recreational injuries. I'm not going to define that, but we've seemed to have a little bit of a rash of that this weekend. But that's okay. I didn't. I wasn't looking at you, Brian. I wasn't. <laughs> Actually, there's one that has a little. Um, <laughs> amen, amen. And I. The reason I laugh is that's why my wife takes all the sharp objects away from me. She doesn't let me have any anymore. I don't have any. They're all dull at our house. But the bottom line is, we do have a, a recreational injury that's a little bit dire, and that's Zach. He got word yesterday afternoon that they were out riding. Um, I don't know if it's motorcycles or four-wheelers or whatever it was. Whatever it was, there was an accident, and, and, and Zach um, uh, broke some ribs. And last night, we got that message. He was in the Buffalo Hospital. They kept him overnight, and they were doing all kinds of scans. You know how it is. They've got to give you 35,000 tests when you walk into a hospital. Uh, well, 34,900. But... Um, but the bottom line is they, they wanted to make sure. This morning we got word that his lung had been punctured. And so we want to pray for him specifically here today. Also, I'm going to add one to it because God can do two things at one time, can he? Um, Wednesday night, it was such a thrill to see Barb here. It really was. That was just an absolute um, good thing. And we just want God to continue to, to touch her. And there are many in our church who have just, for, the, for whatever reason, have just come upon some physical challenges. And so while we're praying for Zach specifically for God to heal his lung, let's just, if you've got somebody that God puts on your heart, just call upon that because the healing power of God is in this place in Jesus' name. Come on, let's go with confidence. Let's go with boldness right now to the throne of grace. Jesus. We are thrilled, God, that we can come to you. You said we could in Jesus' name. And so touch everyone, all of these, specifically Zach with his lung right now, Lord. God, I pray for that to be completely healed in Jesus' name. That your word, Lord God, does not return void. That it accomplishes the thing that you send it forth to do in Jesus' name. And I believe the healing grace of God is sent into this county, into this city, into this area, Lord God, for specific healings in the name of Jesus. And God, I am just thrilled right now that you are doing this. You are doing this, Lord God, by your grace in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I am, oh yes, touch him, Lord God, never to be the same again in Jesus' name. That your word and spirit, Lord God, will not only touch him, but everyone around him. That, Lord God, that there will be noted miracles that will be acknowledged in the name of Jesus. And glory will be given to you. That, God, people will come. That they will be attracted, Lord God, because of these things in the name of Jesus. And hear the saving message of Jesus' name. And, Lord God, I'm believing 
for all of these things to be accomplished by your will and by your ways in the name of Jesus. And I give you praise and glory for it in advance in Jesus' name. Praise God. You can be seated. The Lord bless you this morning, which I know he already has in Jesus' name. Question this morning is, how many Pentecostals does it take to, to move a heavy object? <laughs> no, I have the answer to that. I do. Um, yeah, it actually only takes one, and then everybody else has to get out of the way. That's kind of how it was yesterday. Amen. It was fun. We had guys over at our house. We moved a, a hot tub into our back um, porch area, and um, <laughs> uh, it was, it was eye-opening in Jesus' name. Praise God. I told Scott yesterday, if I ever want to move my house, I'm going to just have him come over, and he can just pick up one end and, and just move it. He'll, that's what he'll do. Uh, what a display of strength, and, and I appreciate that. I really do. He was an abs and everybody else. You know, I, I saw eyes get real open, and I saw mouths coming open, mine was too, and it's like, is he really doing that? You know, is he the only one on that end? Is he the only one? And it's like, yes, he was, and wow, it was something. But thank you, thank you. And back's okay today, you know? Yeah, probably throwing tires this morning or something, probably warm up or something. My goodness. Oh, and I'm just having a little fun, but it was, it was a display of strength, and I appreciate that in Jesus' name. I don't know if you have seen, uh, uh, we do get these periodicals, and we put them out there on the uh, front so that you guys can take them. The only thing we ask you to do is don't let them end up in a trash can somewhere. Um, I was in, uh, my wife had to go to the doctor well, this week, I think it was, or maybe it was last week, I can't remember, but we had to uh, stay into a little bit of a, a waiting area up at the hospital. First thing that came to my mind, why didn't I bring one of those magazines? You know, and these would be places that you could possibly strategically put one of them. I'm just telling you. You know, you never know what God will do with his written, printed word. And it's very attractive. This ma uh, magazine has come, oh my goodness, thousands of miles. And I'm not complaining, folks, I'm not. It just seemed like we were caught up in a little bit of tradition for a while, but boy, about five, six, eight years ago, it just changed in relative uh, subjects and, and that type of thing. And so I want to encourage you to read these magazines. They just really do have some good information in it. They try to cover a lot of different areas. Usually there's a theme with every edition, and so you can kind of catch that by about the third or fourth article. This... Um, um, uh, magazine this month. This has to do with, of course, they're, they're um, um, uh, showing you about the, the youth convention and some of the things that happened. They actually have all of the messages condensed. If you want to talk about all of the messages that were preached at and taught at that, at that convention, they have them condensed in this magazine. It isn't the whole message, obviously, but it'll give you kind of the gist of what, was been, what had been said down there. Also, it talks about giftings, and I might tonight, if the Lord leads me, 
more to deal with giftings because I believe the Lord is really moving in this hour for that 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 area. Um, giftings are kind of a um, you know are kind of a um, oh a work in progress. I, I say that a lot, but sometimes we'll 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 get a gifting and 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 we just don't know how to handle it. Don't get scared by that because that's not that's not God's sign for you never to use the gifts. It's just that you're realizing that you do have the gift in an earthen vessel. And sometimes we have a tendency to do, you know, improper things, even if they are sincere. But I believe with the usage of gifts that God gives us is what comes perfection. Amen. And I'm not talking about never making a mistake. I'm talking about really finding out what God wants me to do with this thing. And again, I'm not going to spoil a good message, but I might deal with that a little more in depth tonight. But the bottom line is this magazine has some articles in it that have to do with giftings. And it might, you might find it to be very, very valuable to where you're at right now in Jesus' name. And so think about that. This Pentecostal life is a, is a tremendous asset to our organization. I just want to encourage you to uh, grab one of those magazines and then when you're done with it, um, you know, put it somewhere or, or bring it back or give it to somebody, hand it to somebody and say, man, I was blessed by this. There was a couple of articles in there that, man, I think would help you or whatever. Let the Lord lead you and you will find that, that God's word just keeps on giving and giving, and giving, and giving. That's kind of the way it works in Jesus' name. And so hopefully we can, we can get into that habit. I was telling the men's group, um, and oh, I, I'm trying real hard not to take over any and all meetings that I get involved in, but it's, it's a challenge. It is, because God just, just, you know, as soon as I sit down, when I'm around people that are spirit-filled, it just... You know, but one of the things I, I'm so glad that this organization is beginning to find out and really is beginning to find out is that we are not reservoirs. I was taught when I came into this to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and I still believe in that. I, every opportunity I can, I want God to fill me to the brim, praise God. But I have found that God, that's not where it stops. That's where it begins. It's kind of like being born again. Being born again of the water and of the Spirit gets you into the kingdom of God. You are born again. That's what it means. But you don't stop there. You begin to grow in the kingdom of God. And this is something that we're really beginning to get a clearer vision of. And our churches, I, I got to believe, I don't know, I don't go around to a whole lot of them, and I can't tell you for sure, but I got to believe from some of the meetings I've been in here just lately that a lot of the churches are catching that vision. Let's develop people. Let's get our eyes off of all the rotten stuff that's going on in the world, and let's start focusing on what God really wants to do every time we come together. Can you say amen? Amen. I think that is so important. And as an individual, you can believe, you can absolutely have confidence that God wants to do something with you, praise God, every time you come into his presence. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be some, you know, oh, you know, volcano, volcanic eruption. And, and, but, it, but it'll be something. God will put something and sow something into your hearts. And, and we can begin to recognize that. That's what I'm going to try to help you to do today. I believe in definitions. You know, sometimes definitions will expand because we'll get a greater understanding of what it is. And so I, I've learned not to put a lid on something in Jesus' name. But I also believe in ingredients. I believe that God is sowing seeds of ingredients out there that will help people to come into his kingdom and recognize what he's doing. 
Amen. That's what happened during the time of Jesus. Unfortunately, there weren't a whole lot. But there were some people that recognized this is God in the flesh. Now, they probably didn't know quite what to do with it all either, like we are sometimes, but yet they recognize that's God. And I hope that in your life, you're beginning to recognize these areas, that that's God that's doing that. That's God that's convicting me. That's God that's trying to get some of this stuff out of my life so that I'll have a whole lot more room for him. Let me demonstrate this with the word of God, okay? Look at Hebrews chapter number 12. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 12. And, of course, it comes after that beautiful chapter of 11 where it gives us all kinds of, um, of testimonies, you know, to the fact that God throughout the ages has been working with people. Amen. Um, you know, I mean, it gives us all kinds of beautiful examples of that. But then after, after that exampleship in chapter number 12, which I believe is in the same thought pattern of, of chapter 11, it says, wherefore, in verse number one, seeing we also are combassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, great clouds of witnesses, it says, let us lay aside every weight. Everybody say weight. And I'm not advertising for some diet program here. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking more of a hindrance. There are things in our life that come into our life that hinder us. And you gotta, and I gotta recognize that. And we better do something about it. Now, again, these are things that, that because of the life that we live that we have to encounter. So what the writer here is saying, lay aside those weights. Learn how to put them on the back burner. When you get, if, not if, when you get bad news, learn how to deal with it. Process it. Say, okay, I can't deny that this has happened. Got some bad news last night myself, and I could have wallowed in it and could have been affected this this morning, but I won't allow it. I will not allow it because it just isn't worth it. Come on, folks. And I've learned, now this is just a little thing that I'll pass on to you. I've learned that when you get bad news or some disappointing news, if you'll pray for those people, there is something that happens. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but it just does. Something happens. And it gives you the ability to lay aside the weight. And we've got to get good at this. Because our world is not going to all of a sudden become a place of all good news. There's not a channel out there that'll give you that. It's all based upon bad news. And so you and I in the kingdom of God have to learn how to process it. And it gives us advice, lay it aside. That doesn't mean that you, you're not concerned about it. It just means that until you give me some direct orders, God, I'm not going to do anything about it. And that's not being evil or, or disobedient. I think that's being pretty smart. Because God will give us a recourse. He'll tell us what to do. And a lot of times it will come under the auspice of pray for them. Pray for them. Let them be saved. There's nobody. I can say this without any malice or any reservation. I would not want to see anybody go to hell. I don't care who they are. And so I want to keep that attitude. And so waits will happen. But then it says, and the sin. And so we must understand that weights, hindrances, and sins are things that you and I have to deal with on a regular basis. Right. Bible says in 1 John 1, if you say you have no sin, man, you just become a liar. Right. And that doesn't mean that you go, oh, I guess I got a sin anyway. How many should I have? No, it just means that you're battling it. 
But even in your best battle, you're still going to make mistakes. And that's why repentance never goes out of style. And I'm going to give you some definitions of this today that maybe will help you to define it. How do I know this is really operating in my life? How do I know that this is God doing these things? Well, I believe through the word of God, we can understand it absolutely sharp, just like that. Well, the, the, the advice is, you know, get back up and run the race. Maybe the point of it is you're just trying to be a little too fast. Amen. As we were contemplating ways of getting that heavy thing up, in, up into our place where she wanted it. I didn't want it there. She wanted it there. You know, but um, I'm just saying we had two, uh, two, two ways we could have done it. You know, and I'm, I'm looking at those steps, and I'm going, my goodness. Well, we could thank God for a guy that knows what he's doing. Amen. It's love. I love to see a skilled person work. And, and he was at it. Man, this guy's been working with windows probably before most of us were born. But he took that door out of there and, it's, uh, and it, he put it back together again. <laughs> That's the one I worry about. I can take things apart. My goodness, <laughs> give me a big enough hammer, I'll get it out of there. You know, the bottom line is, can you get it back in and will it work the same way it did? Yeah. Well, it, yeah, there you go. So that requires skill. That requires slow down and let's reassess this one. He was telling me, he said, um, <laughs> he said, I was, I don't know, did you say vetoed or you were overruled? That's what it was. Because, boy, best God, we we're going to take that up those steps, you know. And I said, you got to get louder in your objections. Our meek brother here. He's smart, Jesus' name. And so I appreciate that. And so we got to get back up. We got to deal with hindrance. We got to deal with sin. We have to. We can't just let it go. And then we got to get back up and say, now God doesn't judge me on one event in my life. Now that doesn't make it right. It makes it, you know, we can do something about it. Amen. And that's what you got to remember. God's not sitting there going, remember what you did yesterday? Yeah, I got it written down right here. You know, for the next two weeks, I'm going to remind you how bad you were. No, that's us. We do that. God doesn't. When we ask him to forgive us, you know, he'll sometimes look at, you know, in the spirit, he'll say, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. And so from, from the help of the Lord, we can get these things done. And God can help us to run this race with patience. We've got to. Because the scripture says, He that endureth until the end shall be saved. Never forget, you and I are involved in a race that we must, we must finish. We can't get wearied to where we're going to, you know, forget this thing. We've got to keep going. And that's what God has designed for us to do. And here's the way to do it. Look at verse number two. Look unto Jesus. He's already done it. He's already been through some tough things. He's already able to help us. And so looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, praise God. And then the Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him, and never forget this, he didn't like the cross any more than we do. 
But he learned how to endure some things. And this is what God is building into the church. The ability to endure things, praise God. It doesn't mean that we like them. It just means that we know that God's got me here and I've, I'm, I'm going to get through this. What did somebody say? He can deliver us from the storm, but a lot of times he gives us the strength to go through the storm. And that's what he will do. And recognize these things in your life and understand that you can still have joy while it's going on. Because Jesus did. And so you and I, we have a lot that we can be thankful for. We've got a lot that we can be working on. And God can help us with these things in Jesus' name. Now let me give you this illustration. I've used it before. But say there was a person who was out in the lake. And they were in a boat. And they didn't know how to swim. That's me, by the way. Yeah. And, um, and, and, the, and the person fell into the lake. And man, here they are. They're, I mean, they don't know how to swim. And they've just, they're in this water that will and can kill them. But there's a person that's right nearby that saw the whole thing and quickly had a, one of these round things, you know, that, 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 that what are they called? Lifesavers, yeah, and throws it real quickly with the rope and throws it out to the person. And thank God that person just had enough, you know, uh, that, that strength that they could grab that and put it around them. And the person pulled it back and, and they were pulled into the boat. Amen. Well, the question might be asked, what, what saved the person? Yeah, I mean, what saved them? Was it the boat the other guy was in? Was it the man that threw the, 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 you know, the, the rope out? Or was it the rope that was attached to the, um, uh, you know, to the lifesaver? Or was it the lifesaver itself? Or was the person able to save themselves? Hmm. You think about all of that. And, um, and I know I've got some of you thinking now because those are ingredients, in my opinion. And this is how God operates in our world. A lot of times it's not just one thing that will do it. It's a combination of things that will be brought into the picture that will really bring what I call true and lasting victory. And we must recognize that. What our religious world has done, I'm not being critical, I'm just being observant, has they want to single out one thing and say, well, that's it. That's what we believe in. Our little banner goes up. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you will be saved. My goodness. And I'm not trying to be facetious here, folks. I'm just trying to point out something. It takes more than belief to be saved. It takes ingredients. And God has got the whole mixture in this world. And people need to recognize those ingredients. And that's why definitions are very important. Now, there's several ingredients I'd like to touch on today. You know, grace is one of them. Faith is one, praise God. Confession, praise God, is an ingredient by, by all means. Repentance is one, praise God. Baptism is one. You know, you've got the Holy Ghost, you know, is, is another one. You know, these are all ingredients that God puts in the world that he doesn't want you and I to, to not have. And so this morning, maybe I can help you to understand and maybe you can begin to recognize these ingredients working already in your life. They're already there. And I'm not putting down churches that, that highlight one of them. I just pray for them and ask God to give them a whole lot bigger vision. Because my goodness, you know, salvation is a big thing. And God wants people to be saved. Amen. Not just think they're saved. He wants them to understand that you can know, praise God, without a shadow of a doubt, that these things are there. 
And so I believe that God wants to help us. Let's go first of all to the book of Titus, Titus chapter number two. And let me begin here today. I don't know quite how far I'll get, but it's, I'm not going to hurry it. I'm just going to try to help somebody get their eyes opened here today because I believe that God has got an anointing in this place for that. Paul prayed for the Ephesian church that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know the hope of his calling, that they would know the power that's in them through Jesus Christ, that they would recognize several things. In chapter number one of Ephesians, there's like three or four things that Paul specifically prays for that church about. And I'm beginning to pray for you in that same realm. I did it this morning, that God would help open up our eyes in Jesus' name. Now look at Titus. It says... Um, in, in verse number, or chapter number 2 and verse number 11, 2 and 11, Titus, I know you've heard this verse before, but mark it down this time. The scripture says in verse 11, for the grace of God, everybody say amen, that bringeth salvation. Notice what one of the major intentions of grace is, to bring salvation. That means I can't obtain it any other way but God bringing it to me. And then it says, hath appeared unto how many? You can rest assured that, folks, that God doesn't want anybody to miss this. And so I believe, personally, the grace of God is working in everybody's life, period. Amen. It's a, the problem or the challenge is we just don't recognize it. And we need to start getting a little sharper in that. Now, what does the grace of God do? Well, chapter or verse number 12 says it teaches. It doesn't expect you to know. It needs to teach us some things. Well, what's it going to teach us? It teaches us that we need to deny some things. And it just puts it into a lump sum called ungodliness. Anything that, is not a, that isn't God, we need to deny it. We need to, get, we need to say, no, I don't want that in my life. And then it says, and worldly lusts. Because the world is good at promoting. And then it says, and we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. So you see, the grace of God is intended to work now. Right, right now in your life. And you can absolutely have confidence in it. That God's grace, praise God, can have an absolute influence in your life, praise God. And then it says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Things are going to be different when Jesus comes back again. But until that time, you and I have to work within the parameters that God has given us. And grace is one of those ingredients, praise God, that we must begin to recognize. Now, we've got definitions, and I'm not against these. One of the most popular definition of grace is the unmerited favor of God towards man, which is absolutely true. We don't deserve this. We're not doing this because of how great we are, how good we are. But we, we seem to think that we get more by doing that. No, we don't. Amen. The thing that will bring grace on a, on a regular basis and a very, very, very plentiful basis is humility. The Bible teaches us in James that he opposes the, pride, the proud. When I have a proud spirit, I can expect resistance from God. I can. And it's not like he slaps me and he throws me down and is mean to me, but I can, I can tell. I'm beginning to tell more and more and more when that pride aspect of me gets up. But the Bible says he gives more grace to the humble. So take note of that. 
Amen. Learn how to handle humility. We don't like it. We go way out of our way so we don't do it to anybody. I'm serious, folks. We'll fluff up about nine or ten pillows on a, on a chair before we'll tell somebody what they really need to hear. Now, the real antidote is, is we need to learn how to do this stuff in love. We need to learn how to tell people about things in their life, if God directs us, in a loving way. That's the answer. The answer is not to avoid it and make them feel good about something they shouldn't feel good about. And that's what humility will help us with. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time, the scripture tells us. This is all talking about grace, folks, because we need his grace. His grace is one of the greatest teaching elements we have in our lives. And so we must uh, understand, first of all, we don't deserve it. And then another definition of grace is the state of reconciliation, which is true. God reconciles to us. He lowers himself to our level. Not that he's going to live there, but he does that for, on a purpose so he can lift us out of that muck. So that he can help us to rise. In fact, the intent of God is to raise, to, to raise us to heavenly places, is what the scripture says. Amen. So by grace, we are saved. Amen. But never rec- rec- start recognizing the teacher. Grace isn't, doesn't approve us. It improves us. And we got a denominal world out there that thinks because we got grace, we can do whatever we want. God will just sit there and go, oh, man, it's my kid. Isn't that cute? No, he doesn't. I'm going to tell you right now, he doesn't do that. God wants to help people to be better because he's got 7 billion plus people he wants to reach. And he doesn't want you sitting in some chair someplace thinking he doesn't want to use you. He wants to use you to reach those people. So he's got quite a purpose down here. So his grace, it can't be just as in a reservoir. It's got to be a flowing thing that it affects me, but it'll flow out to somebody else and it'll get a hold of them, praise God. And one of the things, the message I want to strongly put forth anywhere and everywhere I go is you can do this. You can do this. You can be a part of this church. You can be a part of what God's doing in these last days. Come on, don't you let some lying sack of a devil tell you you can't. You can get in this. Oh, I feel strong about that today. Praise God. Amen. And so grace is used to help that in, in that way. But one of the, the, or the third, you know, and I think it's really the most important uh, definition of grace is divine influence. God influences us. And I want him to influence me more. Well, lift up your hand right now. Would you do that? And ask God to help you to be influenced by him. Him. Him alone. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, help us to receive this with meekness. Help us, Lord God, to engraft it into our lives. Help us not to fear it. Help us not to resist it. Help us to recognize it. Let eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we will know what this is, God. We'll know it, praise God, any and any every hour of the day in Jesus' name. That there's times you are trying to teach us something, God, and help us to receive it. Help us to get it. 
Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. And I'm not going to pretend to try to exhaust this. I'm really trying to sow some tremendous seeds into people's hearts so that you will recognize this. Now, let me, let me give you a kind of a cap of a definition of this. Praise God. Look at uh, Philippians chapter number, I believe it's chapter number two. Yes, Philippians chapter number two. Um, I might deal with the first part of this chapter here a little bit later, but it's giving us an a, a analogy of how Jesus operated in this world. It's very good. Uh, verses like four through eight are, are ones that you should put to familiarity. This is how Jesus act. I don't want to go there right now because of the thought that I have. But the Bible says in verse number, um, uh, number, uh, number 10, it says that at the name of Jesus, we sang about this this morning, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Don't ever forget, folks, there's, the, the devil's going to bow. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think he's going to do it willingly. And that's what I don't want to do. I want to do it willingly. And that's what God gives me an opportunity to do every day. That I gladly bow to the Lord. And I'm not putting on some show. It is a sign of, of, of submission. And then it goes on to say, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father, uh, glory of, of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Paul's teaching a church to grow up. Oh, Paul's preaching Sunday. I better put on a good coat and I better look good. Paul's coming to town. And that mouthy little preacher can really go after it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm giving you examples. And Paul's saying, you guys are doing this when I'm gone. This is great. This is growth. When people can take what they get in here and take it to their homes and take it to where the areas they're at during the week, wow, that's really evangelism, folks. It really is. But here's what I want you to see that grace will do. Here's grace in action. It says, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because I recognize that it is God that's working these things out of my life. That's what grace will do. Grace will begin to work on us. It'll begin to remind us. And boy, we don't want to, you know, we don't sometimes don't like that. But we must recognize that if anything is ever going to happen, it's going to happen because God works it out with us. And it's not just a way or some nice thing. No, it's his way. And that's what it comes down to. That's why you've heard me teach the three elements that everybody has. We have genetics. We were born into a certain family. We didn't have a choice with that. But through the operation of the Holy Ghost, we become regened, literally. And then we have an environment that we were raised in or that we are, that, we, that influences us greatly. We can and have the ability to change environments. 
And then we have the last one that we're working on every day is our will. We have a will. God did not take away your free will when you got baptized in Jesus' name. And now you understand that my will has to be submitted to his will. And that's a full-time job. That one won't go away. And so this is all under, in my opinion, under the element of grace. We are saved by grace. I don't know if it's that round thing that got thrown into the water. I don't know if it was the rope tied onto the round thing. I don't know if it was the boat the other guy was sitting in. I don't know. But I'm just saying it's an ingredient that God has that will help you and I to be saved and to stay saved, by the way. That's what it's designed to do. Can you, and can you say amen? Let's just lift our hands for about 15 seconds and thank God for grace. Come on. I believe God has given somebody here a further definition. Mm, that's good. Thank you, Jesus. What a privilege. Wow. Isn't that something? That's you. It was free. Yes, the free grace has come into your life. And now you can begin to allow it to be more and more and more influential. In Jesus' name, praise God. Praise God. Amen. And so think about this. I, I believe and I'm praying that God will give you further and further understanding of what's going on. Now let's talk about another ingredient, and of course that's faith. And I, man, we've heard sermons and 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 have seen. Um, I, I've got to believe most of you've seen faith in action. My goodness, it comes in all different colors. It really does. And faith is is one of those again ingredients that God expects us to recognize and to allow to work in our lives. Amen. And I and I appreciate it. I, um, you know, uh, grace or faith is 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 a tremendous thing. But one of the things that God gives us by way of definition is an example. And that's why, you know, when I referred to um, Hebrews chapter number 12, you know, the reason why those two or three verses in verse in chapter 12 are so effective is because of chapter 11. We saw it in action. We saw people that came up against insurmountable odds and were able to go through because of faith, because of the operation of God. And that's why we need that. Faith needs to have an action. A good place to go, if you, and you can write this down if you want, is the second chapter of the book of, Ma, of Mark, and it's in a couple of other Gospels too. But it has that example of when Jesus was in a house. He was a house preacher. You know, he didn't have big auditoriums and arenas, although he made one by a lake one day. Uh, that's pretty cool, you know. And, um, and, but the bottom line is he did a lot of house-to-house -house ministries. And one day he was in a house, and boy, that place was packed. And all of a sudden, these guys come carrying their brother, man, and this guy's hurt. He's, uh, you know, he's got a disease. He needs help. And so the Bible says that they got up on the roof of the house and began to tear it off. What a, what, what a tremendous, uh, uh, you know, a demonstration and illustration of faith. They had no idea what Jesus was going to do. You know, they knew what he could do. You know, but the bottom line is they didn't know. So get that guy out of here. I, this is, I'm preaching now. Don't disturb me. You know, no, that wasn't Jesus. He welcomed those kind of interruptions. And he saw, the Bible makes that statement. He saw their faith. So we understand that faith can be illustrated and it should be. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Work on that. Have faith in God. I'm telling you, this is what we can work on. 
This is what will replace the weight that we laid aside. We can start working on these other things that will absolutely bring a whole lot more results than the other ones will. I know I'm being very pragmatic and very practical here this morning, but God chastened me last night. You know, sometimes, you know, as a pastor, he's, man, I've preached everything in this Bible, God. Can you give me another Bible? That, no, and God said, no. He said, I got plenty in there for you. You know, and then God began to speak to me while I was sitting at the desk. He said, come on. He said, there's a lot of things, that you, and this is what I, where I'd like you to go with it. And man, he just laid it right out. I wish it was always that easy. I really do, you know, but I realize that I am my own worst enemy, you know. Let's go to the Milky Way, and God says, we haven't even been to the moon yet. Come on, let's just keep it here and keep it practical. So the illustration that God can give us can be one of those things that we can see. Now, let me show you this, amen, because we you can go into faith, scripture, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that we are, you know, that we are saved by faith, you know, and, and grace. So there you go, you get, the, you get the combination of the ingredients. Ephesians 2, chapter, or verse number 8, by faith we are saved by grace. So you get the two combination, and it doesn't stop there. But let me show you something that I think can actually further exemplify this. Look at Romans chapter number 4. Now the scripture refers to this guy that we're going to talk about here, Abraham, as um, a faithful person. One of the things that if you'll read the 18th chapter of the book of Genesis, you're going to find that God, you know, he couldn't avoid Sodom and Gomorrah. He couldn't avoid it anymore. And man, he had to do something. And so he's going to do something about it. But the, the neat thing about it in that 18th chapter, he says, should I hide this from Abraham? Should I just keep him in the, in the dark? And we find out that no. God is going to show some things, and he wants to show some things to him. And of course, the judgment was coming. And of course, Abraham being, you know, affected by God for years, confronts God and says, God, are you going to destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? And that's ridiculous. God would never do that. But Abraham had to ask it. And so then he begins to plead the cause. Remember that? Well, let's see. Where should I start? Well, 50 is a good number. Okay, God, if there's 50 righteous people in that city, we, piece of cake, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even be here right now if there was 50 righteous people in there. And that's what you must understand and I must understand about the end time that's coming right now. God is doing everything to try to help anybody and everybody to be saved. But there will be a time when that will run out. And then the judgment of God will come, folks. And I, I don't enjoy reading it sometimes, but I know it's coming. But I know because God has done everything he could. Amen. And that's the illustration that you have. And Abraham joined that corp. Abraham got involved in it. That's a, that in 18 is an example of intercessory prayer. He goes all the way down to 10. I have no idea why he quit there. But that's what he did, okay? And so God's, okay, the judgment came. Well, look at this in the chapter 4 of Romans, and maybe we can get a little more. Look at verse 16, and we're talking about the ingredient of faith right now. We talked about grace. We've got some, some understanding of it a little bit more, hopefully. Now we're going to talk about, about faith. And it says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. Do you see that? So they two do work together. We have to have faith in grace. 
And so the Bible says to the end, it says the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's us. We are operating under the faith of Abraham. That is absolutely revealing when you start seeing that. That's why you will read chapters 12 of Genesis through 26 a whole lot more differently when you see that. I'm going to dissect that lifestyle that he had. I'm going to see how he operated. Yeah, I understand he didn't have the Holy Ghost and he didn't have all the things that we have right now, but he was operating under faith. And what did he do? That's why I'm telling you, that's why some of the people, they do away with the Old Testament. They don't realize that there's an enhancement that God wants to give to you about the Old Testament, how he operated. He cuts it down to bite-sized pieces. Amen. And so here it is, he's talking about the faith of Abraham. So that one's important, isn't it? I think we can get a pretty clear definition of what faith is by observing Abraham. Okay. As it is written in verse 17, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom you or he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which, which be not as though they were. That's kind of just a mix-up of words of saying that God doesn't need ingredients. God doesn't need stuff. He can call it into place right now. He can create it right now. Wow. That is, that's pretty powerful, by the way. Okay. Now, Abraham, here's Abraham's plight, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. See, sometimes we read those chapters within about oh, an hour or maybe a half hour, and we think it all happened in one afternoon. And you've got to understand, that's a 25-year period in Abraham's life you're dealing with. 12, chapter 12 of Genesis, he's 75 years of age. By the time you get to the 19th and, and, and the 20th chapter, he's 100 years old. Come on, do the math. This didn't happen in an afternoon. This didn't happen over a weekend when Lee Stone King came to preach to him. Come on, folks. This was something that had to begin to help. And some of you YouTubers, I'm glad that you're listening to this stuff. But come on, put it in proper perspective. Come on, we've got to get these ingredients working in our life on a regular basis. These guys got a lot of things to offer, but put it in perspective. That's what you've got to do. You're not going to, you know, go to some weekend revival and everything's going to be great. That's what we used to believe. No, God's going to give me some more to work with. I'm going there because I've got some things in my life that God's going to help me with. And I'm going to continue that because I'm going to lay aside the weight. I'm going to get rid of the sin in my life by God's help. And I'm going to run the race with patience. heart monitors on, don't I? Yeah. It's God. But here he is. This is what Abraham's doing. This is literally what he's doing. Against hope. And I can't produce kids. She can't produce kids. How's this going to work? And you know he had his problems. Well, let's just get a handmaid and we'll just work this out ourselves, which is what we do a lot of times. And then we end up in more trouble. And that's why we have to, we have to really get this and begin to listen. Okay, now look at verse number 19. You're going to see an illustration, definition of what faith needs to become in our life. It says, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead. Now he quit looking at the thing that was giving him headaches. 
He quit looking at the problem. And what faith allowed him to do is start looking at the solution. And that's what faith is good at doing. Now, I'm not talking about any faith. I'm talking about faith in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, faith towards God. God, Faith towards God will get you focusing on him, not on your problem. And that's what we do. And we bury ourselves. We dig ourselves a ditch. We get so embedded that, man, alive, it's got to take a volcanic, you know, eruption to get us out of there. And, and we got to be careful with that. And so the Bible says, not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Now he just said, okay, I'm not going to worry about that. He says, when he was in a, a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And if you study the chronological order of this, folks, a lot of this happened in the 99th year. That's why he had to run with patience the race that was set before him because God had a time period in which he was going to begin to reveal things. Abraham's life really changed in that 99th year. It really did, and I believe it was ordained of God. Faith led him to that. But man, I don't know about 86. I don't know when he was 78. I don't know when he was 91. You know, all I know is that he had to run that race with patience. He had to operate with faith. He had to understand, praise God, that God's in charge of this. And if you think you're a slow learner, it took him 25 years. And so don't, 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 you know, don't use that little chip. And so the Bible says he didn't even consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He got his eyes off of the thing that was never going to work. And then the Bible says after he did that, look at verse 20. I'm talking about faith now. I'm talking about a very good definition, illustration of faith. He staggered not at the promise of God. He wasn't second guessing what God was saying all of a sudden. He was starting to believe in it. God's going to do this. He's going to do it. He wasn't getting up in the morning and going, I wonder if God's going to do this. No, he said God's going to do this. That's what that means in my opinion. It says through unbelief, but was not only was he not weak in faith, but he became strong in faith. Come on, somebody needs to write that one down. That's what God's doing in your life right now. He's trying to promote that kind of exercise. He wants you to be strong, praise God. Not some little weakling that gets blown over by every little incident that happens. Come on, I'm talking about ingredients here. These are ingredients that God sends into our world. That's why I'm not going to, you know, narrow out one and say, okay, that's the only one. And we're only touching on two, and that's probably all we're going to get to today. But, man, I'm telling you, these two things can really begin to work in our lives and need to. And so the Bible says that, that first of all, he wasn't weak in faith. Then all of a sudden he became strong in faith. And then because of that process, verse 21, he became fully persuaded. And there's a definition of where God wants our faith to go. That's it. What does that mean? That means he was totally convinced. He wasn't talking negative anymore. He wasn't even introducing the thought. He was just saying, it's going to happen. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Again, I want to put it in perspective. This is a 25-year thing. Now, I understand that wasn't the only thing God did. I mean, God built him up and did a lot of good things during those 25 years. But the ultimate, one of the ultimate purposes for Abraham was for him to become a great nation. And that was to be done through the promised son. So the accomplishment of God's will, major thing in Abraham's will, took 25 years in the building. 
That's why we have to learn to lay aside the weight, the hindrance. We've got to learn to do that and the sin that so easily besets us. We've got to learn to operate in that parameter, praise God. Work on it, work on it every day, praise God. And so God will do this, and these ingredients will show up, and we'll begin to see that kind of thing. All of you probably have an instant in your life where you went through it, praise God. You didn't know how it was going to go, and you see the problem, and you see the situation, but all of a sudden you got on the other side, and you saw God accomplish something great. Come on, can you lift up your hand right now and bring that back into your memory? Come on, folks. That's what he wants to do. Praise God. We were at um, the rehearsal Friday night. Went out to um, uh, Alicia's mom's place out there. That's where they had the rehearsal. And we were in the, in the garage there. And with Sister Carnahan and I, walk, we, we walk into the garage, and there's a bunch of people there already. And all of a sudden, within, within 10 seconds, we had several, a couple of people come up to us and say, I know you. You know, and I'm like you, too. I'm going, really? You know? uh, no, he said, I know you. And then one lady came around the, the corner, she says, yes, you baptized our two boys. I'm telling you folks, never, never give up. There are things that you're doing today that might not show up for a while. That was back when we had church out at Collins Heights. We had a double wide. That's all we had was a double wide with a horse tank. You say, oh my goodness, that wasn't much. It got a couple of people baptized and it also got some families never ever to forget that. Never. Now, I'm not tooting my horn. I'm just trying to help somebody here understand something. Her brother who marched her down the aisle, he was, he, man, he, just, he, he, he was just saying all kinds of things. He come to me about, when we were just about done with the rehearsal out there, he put his arm around me. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, you have done more than you will ever know, he said, with this couple. And again, I, that's not me. That's God working in me to bring about his will. And you are in the same world that I am at. And God can do the same thing with you. That's what he wants to do. But we've got to learn, praise God, that we've got to take those ingredients. We need the rope. We need the, the, you know, the, the thing that we, that, that we put around us. I'm not going to get that one down today. But we need the boat. We need the help. We need all of these ingredients working in our lives. We've got to have them, folks. So you've got plenty to do. And so do I. So again, let's, let's take that definition of faith. He wasn't weak. He didn't let it just get inflated. He became strong in it. And then because of that, he became to the place where he didn't stagger at the promises of God. He knew God would do it. And here's what I want you to see. The Bible says, therefore, in verse 22, it was imputed or it was counted unto him for righteousness. God said, there's a righteous guy because of what he's doing. Isn't that amazing? That's why Abraham was righteous, not because he was such a great cook, not because he had the ability to, you know, to travel. He had the ability to operate under the parameter that God wanted him to, and that was by faith. He left the Ur of the Chaldees by faith. He traveled to where God wanted him to go by faith. That's what he did. And so the Bible says in verse 23, notice this. It says, now it was not written for his sake alone. But who was it written for? Yeah, it was written for us. You see, that's what I'm telling you. 
You don't discount anything in the Bible. Not when you're in the age we're in. You don't discount anything. You just recognize that God has got ingredients in this world that are helping me to become teachable. That's his grace. It's helping me to become more influenced. That's his grace. And then I can begin to operate by faith because the Bible says he's already given me the measure to start. And so here you are in today's world and you're wondering what you're going to do. Well, I hope not. I hope now that you recognize that you've got a whole world full. And I've only touched on a couple of areas here. Maybe next Sunday we'll continue on. But for now, those two, I think, will be enough. I think, I've give, I think the Lord has given us a lot to think about here in the name of Jesus. Isn't it amazing to serve God? I'm telling you, folks, it is never, ever, 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 yeah, it's working, ever a dull world. Praise God. So glad I don't have to put those earplugs in. I'm so glad. I am. Praise God. But I want to finish off something here today, and I want you to understand that you can respond to this. And I'm not going to tell you how, but I believe that the Lord wants you to respond to his word in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let me just give you something to start with in Jesus' name. Worthy is the lamb who was slain holy holy is he let's sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat oh hallelujah worthy is the Lamb who was slain, holy, holy is he. Let's sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. 